everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again. This is Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we're bearing down on the holiday season, and I'm doing this on on, uh, Thanksgiving, in Thanksgiving week, and in just a couple of days, it will be that holiday of Thanksgiving where we all give in to gluttony, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we want to also encourage all of us, and I'm talking to myself, not just at you, but we're talking with you, encourage all of us that we need to cultivate Thanksgiving more than just the holiday of Thanksgiving, but we need to cultivate the reality of Thanksgiving, and we need to develop a lifestyle of Thanksgiving in our life. And this is a really good time of year as we begin the holiday season uh, with this holiday in the United States called Thanksgiving. And even if you're listening from somewhere else, it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to take the last Thursday of this month and set it aside to give thanks, to prepare your heart to celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the way it really needs to be celebrated instead of the way it seems to be going in terms of the commercialism and all that kind of thing. We need to celebrate Jesus. And for those of you who say, well, he wasn't born on December 25th, we don't celebrate the uh, the date of his birth so much as we celebrate the fact of his birth. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, we've been talking about releasing our potential in God, and one of the ways that we do that is Thanksgiving. And, and we've been looking at Romans 1. Now, Thanksgiving is a very positive thing. I believe that Thanksgiving, when we are a thankful people, when we cultivate it in our lives, it draws good things to us. We talked about uh, the the leper. Nine people, or ten lepers asked for healing. Nine of them got healed. One came back and gave thanks, and Jesus said he was made whole. Now, I believe there's a lot more to that than just the physical healing. And so I believe that uh, Thanksgiving energizes our faith. It takes it to a new dimension. But there's another side to that. What about unthankful? And in Romans chapter 1, and you can read through 18 through 25 to really get the fullness of it. We looked at, I think, 21 and 22, where it says that people, even people who knew God, and in the context of this, he's talking about those who knew him or should know him just because of what they see in nature. But let's bring it to us. We know God. And he said, even those who knew God did not honor him as God. And that means we just don't treat him the way he should be treated as God. We forget this is the God of the universe. He ain't my papa and he ain't my Santa Claus. He is the God of the universe. And I need to treat him accordingly. I need to trust him. I need to love him. I need to walk according to his ways. All kinds of things that that can mean. But why weren't they doing that? They knew him. Why didn't they treat him like God? Because they were not thankful. And that unthankfulness got into their minds. And when we allow ourselves to really dwell in unthankfulness, the Bible says that their thinking, their thoughts were unproductive, unfruitful, uh, uh, futile is the word in the New King James. And it says that their hearts got dark. And now our thinking is the outside of our soul, our mind, our, our intellect, 
But then there's that deeper part and involves our will as well. But then there's that deeper part that's that's really the, the core of our being where it's not, I like to explain it this way, it's not the place where we think, but it's the place that determines how we think. In other words, our subconscious, all of those things that have been put in there. When we get to a place where we're dwelling in unthankfulness, when we get born again, we have the capacity to bring light into that part of us. But unthankfulness will shut down that light and cause our heart to be darkened. Now, we don't start that way. I'm not saying if you're unthankful, then you're just a dark-hearted, cruel, terrible, no-good person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is a progression that when we allow it to dwell, it can produce some bad things in our life. And we don't want those bad things. We want good things. Now, last time we began to talk about the four grumbles that I recognized or identified in studying the people of Israel. And I believe that when we grumble, see, what's the opposite of thanksgiving? It's grumbling. Now, we could call it complaining, too. And uh, the the truth is that uh, they're probably interchangeable, but grumbling kind of carries with it the connotation that we're also mumbling under a grumbling, you know, uh, whenever uh, uh, Snoopy in, in the cartoon would get upset, he'd just go, I had a dog that used to look like that. Whenever he we'd we'd not treat him the way he felt he needed to be treated, he'd walk away going and so grumbling. That's why I like the word grumbling. Excuse my interpretation. Uh, But when we grumble, then that is the opposite of Thanksgiving. And so if we're grumbling, what do we need to do? We need to counteract that with thanksgiving. And I think there are four kind of dimensions, and they're 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 connected. Uh, you're going to find that every one of them has to do with remembering what God did instead of thinking about what God hasn't done. But as we look at them, they kind of all come from a slightly different perspective in terms of how we feel, in terms of what's triggering them. And if we can identify the grumble, then we'll have a better handle on how to attack it with the thanksgiving. And the first one we did talk about from Exodus chapter 14, uh, 10 through 12, and really read the whole chapter. It's always good to do that. It's the why grumble. It's It's when we say, well, why me? Why did this happen to me? The children of Israel had seen God do marvelous things. If you think about it, the greatest miracles probably in the Bible outside of the ministry of Jesus and in even the ministry, miracles in Jesus' ministry were different because they didn't really involve Things like plagues on nations and 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 crippling a nation and frogs all over and turning rivers to blood and all that kind of stuff. They didn't involve that. There was a different kind of thing, and it was different because Jesus brought a different kind of of relationship to man. But uh, but the point being that of the miracle, certainly in the Old Testament, that we see nothing nothing was greater than what these people lived through, and yet still when they ran into problems, and what was the problem they ran into? God had led them into the wilderness. He led them on a roundabout way, brought them to the Red Sea. And the reason he did that was because he wasn't done with Pharaoh. He was going to destroy the only power left that could bring this people back into bondage, and that was the Egyptian army. But in order to do that, he had to bring Israel to a place where it looked like there was no hope. And so they parked, or they they parked, they camped, well, they parked in front of the Red Sea, and behind them showed up the army of Egypt. And as I said last time, these people weren't there to bring them back. I don't believe they had lost 
lost the firstborn. That was the last plague. Every man in there who had a child lost a child. And so they were angry. Pharaoh was angry. I don't think they were bringing them back. Now, this is my opinion, but I don't think they were bringing them back. I think they were going to kill every last one of them and leave them there in the wilderness uh, to be eaten over by the by the buzzards and, and, and jackals or whatever was there. And so this is a real problem. I don't know, you know, when we face this kind of problem, we might not do any better. But the thing that we found out was immediately they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here? Why did you even deliver us? Isn't it weird? Isn't it strange? That's that unfruitful or or futile thinking that here they live for hundreds of years under hard bondage, being beaten and starved and their firstborn killed and 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 lots and lots of other things. And, and yet the, the minute they've been delivered, the power of God is there. But the minute that they run into a problem, they say, why? Why did this happen? Why should this happen to me? We might say it this way. It's not fair. Now, I said last time that sometimes we're looking to understand. But here's the thing. God will let you know what you need to know when you need to know it. We need to submit our need to understand understand this is this is important and powerful i have to remind myself we need to submit our need to understand to God, to our trust in God. He'll let us understand. He doesn't mind honest questions, but honest questions are not grumbling. And when we get into our whys being a grumble, or we think it's not fair, this isn't fair. Well, what's fair? I mean, God is not fair. God is just. He's going to take care of us according to his justice. And that means, now his justice was uh, fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So, you know, I'm not saying he's going to destroy us, but we need to believe that he's going to take care of us the right way. And if what we see seems like it's not fair, don't let that thought get in because that is the 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 why grumble. And so what do we need to do? We need to thank him for what he's done. We need to thank him that he's always been with us. We need to thank him that he's always taken care of us and that'll stop that. Now the next one, I like to call the entitlement grumble. Exodus 15, 22 to 25. This is just the next chapter. As a matter of fact, early in this chapter, it's the wonderful song of Miriam, the whole people, everybody rejoiced at what Moses had done. They were praising Moses and uh, that, that little chorus I used to like to sing uh, talked about, um, uh, we will, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. It's a great little chorus. I know I'm old. I still like it. And uh, But uh, they, they were rejoicing. And then they move a little bit farther in the wilderness, don't really know exactly how long it was, but they come to a, a spring. They come to a, a place where there was water and something happened and they went to drink the water. And guess what? The water was bitter. In verse 22, it says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Now, God had just done wonderful things for them, but they get three days. I guess we do know, don't we? They get three days farther down uh, the road, and for three days, they haven't found any water. And so now they're thinking, well... <laughs> You know, it's wonderful that that Moses delivered us from the Red Sea, uh, but uh, or from the Egyptian army through the Red Sea. But what are we going to drink? We're like, we're, we we might die of thirst out here. And so they get to Mara. Oh, thank God, we're at Mara, and they taste the waters. Now, there's no indication, and I, I'm going to look at this a little bit farther, but I've studied it a long time. I've never seen any indication that there was anything poisonous about this water. It was bitter. It didn't taste good when we, well, when we first moved in and, and even now uh, to the building that our church is in, uh, the, the water there, it smells bad. 
It doesn't taste good. And we had it tested because you don't want to make anybody sick. If it's if it's undrinkable, you want to make sure that you tell people. But when we had it tested, they said it's potable. It's drinkable. It just smells bad because of certain kind of bacteria that's in it, but it's nothing that's going to make you sick. So I believe that we're looking at the same condition here in Mara. They go and they drink this water and go, oh, that's awful. And then they begin to complain and they, they, they uh, again, uh, tell Moses, how are we, what are we going to do? How are we going to drink? Now, when they came to Mara, the, the water was bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people, verse 24, complained against Moses saying, what should shall we drink? So they cried out to the Lord and God gave Moses direction. But see, here's the thing. One of the things that that causes us to get into grumbling is we forget how great the deliverance was before. They had just seen God do something marvelous. And yet now, and here's the problem, we're confronted with an immediate need. And the thing is that why I call this the entitlement grumble is because we often think we should get something better than what we got. Well, this isn't good enough for me. I want sweet water. If you won't give me good water, then I'm just not going to drink. Well, you know, I mean, if I'm not God, thank God. But if I'm God, I'd say, okay, die of thirst because there's water there. Drink it or die. Now, God did something to help them out. But the truth is their grumbling was not helping the situation. And when we allow ourselves to think that way, and it can happen very often when we look at what other people have, what other people get. If you're in a church and somebody else gets a position that you wanted to have, or somebody else seems to be more popular, or somebody else seems to be whatever, and and you look at that situation and you think, well, you know, I should have gotten that. Why not me? I'm into, I put my time in. I've done my, my best. I've done what I, I was supposed to do. God, you, you met my need, but, but is this it? Is this all I get? I mean, I thank God that you, you gave me a meal today, but how am I going to eat tomorrow? You see, we feel like we're entitled to certain things from God. We are brought up in in the United States, if you're listening somewhere else, I don't know about you, but in the United States, increasingly, people are raised to believe that they're entitled to a free education, entitled to a house, entitled to a car, entitled to a phone, and who's supposed to pay for that is not really in their thinking. It's, I'm entitled to that, so let the rich people pay for it. Let the government pay for it. Let me tell you, somebody's always going to pay for it, and uh, Margaret Thatcher, a great prime minister of England, once said socialism is a wonderful thing until you run out of everybody else's money. And that's the problem with this. If we feel entitled, that means we don't think we should work for it. We don't think we should believe for it. We don't think we should give so that it can be given unto us. We don't think we should take care of somebody else, that everybody should take care of me, and whatever I get is not good enough. Be careful of that. Be very careful of that. Because when you look at what you have and you think, why didn't God do something better? Then you are in the entitlement grumble and it leads to that same place, unfruitful, uh, futile thinking, darkness of heart. We don't want to go there. And uh, so we need to to identify that. As soon as you hear yourself, uh, yourself say that, that, well, you know, is that all there is? Or can't God do something better, or can I have something better, or why don't I ever get it, then we need to remember that's the entitlement grumble. I'll tell you what we're entitled to. We're entitled to spend eternity (laughs) separated from God, but thank God for grace. He paid the price. We get salvation. Now, here's the thing. 
that we need to do as we give God thanks. We need to remember that he saved us. You know, I like to tell our people 10,000 years from now, uh, the people that I minister to now, the, the 10,000 years from now, listen to me, you're not going to care what kind of car you drive. You, you're not going to care what kind of house you lived in. You're not going to care what kind of food you ate. You're not going to care if people liked you or didn't like you or if you got all the things in life that you wanted, you're going to be very happy that you were saved and that Jesus was in your life and that you're in eternity with God and not somewhere else. Amen? So one of the things we need to do when we start to feel entitled is remember what God did for us. They needed to remember what God did for them, but we need to remember maybe in a little bit more spiritual perspective what God did in our lives. He saved us. He paid for the, our sin. Just begin to think about what Jesus did. He bled and he died and he suffered and he went to hell and he was raised again just for me. Hallelujah. That's what I'm entitled to. And God will take care of our immediate needs. God will take care of us. But we need to get out of this mental thinking that it has to be according to a certain pattern, a certain level. And if I don't get that, if I don't get what I want, then God somehow let me down. God never let you down a day in your life and he never will let you down. And you need to realize that. You need to remember that. And you need to believe that. And so, all right, let's move on to the next entitlement that I like to call the panic grumble. Not entitlement, grumble. The next grumble that I like to call the panic grumble. And in verse uh, chapter 16, again, very next chapter, and in uh, and they journeyed from, verse 1, from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day, the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had uh, died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat in the pots of meat, and when we ate bread uh, to the full for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us this whole assembly with hunger. Now, a lot of these, again, are related. You could, you could say the same things about each one. But I look at this one, and I think it's been 15 days. They don't have anything to eat. There's, they're in a wilderness. There isn't anything around them to eat. There's no crops. There's no berries. There's no nothing. Uh, we spent some time uh, this uh, fall. We, we went on a road trip and we went to the the, the western plain, the northwestern plains, uh, Montana, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Wyoming, the Dakotas. We hadn't been there yet, so we went through those places. And there are a lot of places where you look around in those those areas of the country, and there is nothing. If I were depending on the land to survive, I would not be surviving. And so they're running out of supplies. Maybe they had been out of supplies. They're in a place, and they're looking around, and there is nothing to eat. And so in their mind, they're thinking, Moses, why did you bring us here now? Look, this is not going well. You keep telling us everything's working out all right, but here we are. First, we didn't have any water. Now we don't have any food, and then panic begins to set in. Panic comes upon all of us. There are times when we are confronted with situations, and we look around us, and we think, I don't see any way out of this. God, I appreciate that you said you're going to take care of me. Could I Could I have some idea how? Again, that could be the, the, the why me kind of thinking, the need for information, but the truth is, when we're up against it, come on, you know what I'm 
I'm talking about. And that bill is due or you're going to lose the car or that uh, that, uh, you know, the mortgage is due or you could lose the house or there's no way to feed your family. A lot of people over the last two, three years, 2019 to today, have lost a lot of things. And there have been many that have faced that place where they didn't know how they were going to survive. And maybe you've been there. And sometimes I've been there, not so much recently, but in the past. And you think, how in the world am I going to get through? And sometimes looking to the future, you know, I'm a little older and there are certain things that are not what I would like to see them be. And, and, and it's easy to look at those things and get panicky. And I have to be honest with you. I'm going to make a confession. Uh, my mother was a worrier. She tried her best to teach me how to be a worrier. And I have to fight that all the time. And so sometimes I can look at things and I will get panicky. But I want you to know God gave me absolutely the perfect wife for me. And my wife of 49 years, and we actually met when when we were very young. I was 13. She was 16. We've been together 54 years. Uh, I'll tell you what. This woman is the best counteraction to me that I could possibly have, and she has never met uh, never met a crisis. She just she just refuses to do crisis. And so I'll be walking around the house trying to pull my hair out, trying to worry and getting all upset and beginning to be panicky. Come on, there are sometimes good reasons to be panicky in the natural. But she just somehow, I'm not saying she doesn't feel fear. But I have very rarely seen her express fear through our all of our my life with her together. She, I'm sure she feels it, but she just doesn't express it. And one of the reasons is she remembers more readily than I do to give God thanks for what he has done. Listen, they had seen God do wonderful things. Uh, my wife says, and I say too, but I think she's the one that initiated it. Maybe I was. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What if has never happened? We've been together a long, long, long time. We've been through some hard times. Don't let me uh, mislead you to think that we've just had it, uh, you know, just peaches and cream all the time. Uh, we have not. We've been through some very difficult times, times where I didn't know how to feed my kids. I didn't know where the money was coming from. And we just kept trusting God. And I would get panicky and she'd just keep trusting God and encouraging me to do so. And thank God, you know, you need, when you're panicky, get around somebody that, that has faith. Get around somebody that 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 knows how to give God thanks and that's the key what should they have done they should have given thanks to God first of all for all the things they'd seen they just keep seeing good things isn't it interesting how the human being even those of us who know God can see God do one thing after another but the immediate problem and this is our this is our issue it's the immediate problem it's what's happening now it's what I'm facing today that we can't overcome well we need to begin to thank God. Number one, they should have thanked God for what God did. Again, same pattern, but it bears repeating, but it comes from a little different place when you're under panic. Then you, you kind of have to work at it maybe a little bit more, and you know that you're attacking this panic. I'm in panic mode. No, I'm not going to be in panic mode. I'm going to remember God has delivered me. God has done this in my life. God has done that in my life. In their case, God has split the Red Sea. God brought the plagues on Egypt. God set us free. If he did all that, God... Even even sweeten the waters at Mara. He provided the waters, but even sweetened them. And so if he did all that, why should I be fearful now? I will not, in the name of Jesus, in their case, in the name of the Lord our God, give in to panic. And you know what else they should have done? We forget this sometime. They should have been thankful to Moses for being the channel of God in their life. 
Sometimes we need to remember that there are people God has placed in our lives and they're there to be a help to us. My wife is there to be a help to me. I thank God for her all the time. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes she annoys me with it, but uh, she's right. I'm wrong. Glory to God. Uh, and uh, I thank God that God places in our lives people, maybe they're pastors, maybe they're leaders, maybe they're friends, maybe they're your husband or your wife. You know, that's a powerful area of thanksgiving, isn't it? Thank God for your husband. Thank God for your wife. Hallelujah. And if they're not what you would like them to be, thank God for them anyway. And uh, you'll begin to see that that they'll change. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. And so, uh, in order to contact the uh, counteract, and see, I'm really just identifying that we all have been through these things. We've all been through the why part. We've all been through the entitlement part. Uh, you know, the, I, this doesn't seem what I want. Doesn't that's the other thing about entitlement? Well, I want. Well, you know, it's not always about what you want. It's about what God wants for you. He knows you better than you do. Uh, and then the panic. We've all been in times of panic. What do we do? We need to remember what God has done. We need to give thanks. This is the key to the whole thing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you to those around me. Thank you to the pastors that God placed in our lives. I thank God over the years, God brought into our lives a wonderful pastor when I was uh, in my middle 30s and he just passed away not too long ago. I thank God for his input into my life and the things that he did for me and others that God brought into my life. I thank God for them and I thank God for my spouse and you need to do the same because as we do that, what happens is our perspective begins to change. The peace of God, see, another thing Thanksgiving opens the door to is the peace of God that passes all understanding. Paul talks about that in Philippians 4, that we need to give God glory. We need to give him thanks. We need to make our, our requests known with thanksgiving, and the peace of God will come. If we don't uh, give him thanks, then that blocks the peace of God from coming. Hallelujah. So that's the panic grumble. One more. We're going to take just a couple more minutes. And this is the one. Now, I really, I really don't want to talk about this <laughs> because in my life, this is probably the one that I'm dealing with more than any because guess what? I'm 67 years old. God has moved us into a different phase of life, some of which I like, some of which I don't. It's very interesting. I was teaching long before this change ever happened, and God said, changes are coming, and you're not going to like some of them. And I have argued with God about that ever since, but he was right. There are some of them I simply don't like. But here's the grumble that, that can get us, particularly if you're older like me, and, and not necessarily if you're older. It gets people who are saved, who are not really seeing life be everything they want them to be, and that is the good old days grumble. In uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, so the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, and how our whole being is, and now rather, but now, verse 6, our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. And so God had provided the manna. But you know what? They were looking back at the good old days. Now, this this also applies to the uh, to the entitlement thing where manna, manna, manna. I want something better than manna. Listen, when God gives you something, it's the best thing for you. 
Sometimes he doesn't give you more, and this should have been back in the, on the uh, entitlement grumble, but let me throw it out here. Sometimes he doesn't give you more because you're not ready to handle more, because you're not in a place where more would be a blessing to you. It would be a curse to you or where something different wouldn't be a blessing to you. Just not ready for it. God knows you. God loves you enough to make sure you don't get what you shouldn't get. And sometimes it's because you think you need something that God knows you don't need. Hallelujah. So you need to trust him. You're, you're, you're entitled only to what God brings into your life. In this case, they were thinking about the past. Oh, I'll tell you what. There are some things about the past that I find very appealing. And there are some things about the way things are today, certainly culturally, certainly in the country, and even in the church, that I look at it and I think, wow, it was so much better before. Well, sometimes things were. And sometimes things do need to change. But sometimes you need to ask a second question, and that is, was it really that good? Was it really the way I remember it? Because most of the time when we're faced with something in the present that we don't like, and we look back on the past, we forget the bad stuff. That's what Israel did. They're thinking about all oh, the food. Oh, it was so wonderful. They didn't hardly get any food. Half the time they were starving to death. Oh, but we had leeks and we have garlic and we had uh, we had uh, all this meat and cucumbers and melons and leeks and fish and yada, yada, yada. But they didn't have it all the time. They had it sometimes, but sometimes they didn't have anything to eat. They didn't have anything uh, that could sustain them. And the food that they got generally wasn't all that good to begin with. It was, the, it was the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. So sometimes we need to think about today and think about what we see around us and think about what we're dealing with. And we need to ask ourselves that question, was it really as good as I thought it was? And if it was, and if it needs to change, then there's something we can do about it. And if we are the ones that need to change, God help me, I don't want to say that. I don't want that to be the truth. But if we are the ones that need to change, and usually that's the case, isn't it? If we're the ones that have to change, then the same solution will apply. What should we do about the good old days grumble? We should thank God for today. We should thank God for where we are. Do you know why? Because that's where we are. I, I told people that all the years I was preaching, and right now it's kind of like, but I don't want to hear that, God. I want to go back to certain things. And I, I believe in my heart that certain things do need to be restored in the church. Certain things do need to get back to a different place. But you know what? I could be wrong. I could be the one that needs to change. So if I want to see if there's something that needs to be better, the, one of the things I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to give thanks for what God is doing now. I'm going to have to find something around me that I can thank God for. I'm going to have to thank God for those days that I lived, but thank God that I'm not done. See, this is one of the problems. Some people look at me and say, oh, you're retired. I refuse to retire. God never said anything in the Word about retire. I'm going to, if all I do is, is sit on this microphone and talk to you, whoever you are that are listening, then I'm going to do that. I believe God has more than that. But, uh, you know, there's nothing... That, I, I'm not, I don't enjoy retirement. I'm not retired. I'm productive in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to stay that way. But how am I going to be that way? i got to give thanks for what I do have, even things like sitting here in front of a microphone and talking to you and hoping and believing, not just hoping, but believing that somebody, I don't care if it's five or six of you or two of you or one of you that grabs hold of these four things and says, you know what? I've been letting these grumbles get into my mind and they've been, and into my mouth and they've been stopping my thanksgiving. If I give thanks for something, for what I have, 
listen, we do have something. I, I look at my life now and there's times where there's there's COVID kind of shut off a whole avenue of ministry for us. And you look around, you think, God, I'm not doing anything. I'm tired of sitting around. You got to open doors for me. But I need to thank God for what he has done. I need to thank God for the impact that I've had. And, and you need to thank God for whatever it is you have today, because I know in my life, there are a lot of things I have to be thankful for. God has provided for us. God has taken care of us. Our marriage is healthy. Our children are healthy. They're all healthy. Our, our grandchildren, for the most part, are all serving God. That's something to be thankful for. And I know that God has a wonderful plan and future for me. And so does he for you. And so if something needs to change, if I give thanks for today, that opens up God's ability to move in that situation and change what needs to be changed. And you know what? If I'm the problem, and I hate to say it, you and I are probably the problem. <laughs> Not completely, but probably at least, at least, at least part of the problem it's you and I. And if I'll give thanks for what I have today, if I'll find something today to give thanks for, then God can change me and he can change those around me and he can change the circumstances. And I, I have to often recall that he still is God. He's still in charge of the church. I'm not in charge of the church. I want to be sometimes, particularly as a pastor. I pastored, I planted this church where we uh, turned over to my son. I pastored it for 30 years and uh, we built it from scratch. And so it's a little hard for me to accept certain things, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. And if they are wrong, then God can change them because it's his church. And if they're going where, where they need to go, God needs to change me because I'm not going to retire and be left out. I'm going to go forward in him. How about you? Will you deal with the why grumble? Will you deal with the entitlement grumble? Can you deal with the panic grumble? Maybe you're facing these things right now. And can you deal with the good old days grumble? Let's use Thanksgiving and the holiday season as a time to take a look at these things in our lives and say, you know what? Forgive me, Father. And that's the first step, isn't it? Lord, forgive me. Father, we pray right now, forgive us for allowing grumbling to come up. Forgive us for not being thankful. Let our thinking be fruitful and, and, and productive. Let our hearts be full of light, not darkness. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Have a great time of Thanksgiving. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. Have a great day.